0: So kicking off this new series SPF and and really man what this series is about is making sure that you don't get burnt uh, When the enemy shows up in your life, come on, how many know the devil's real? He really is he's real and he has a plan for your life just like god does and When he unleashes his plan on our lives, I think sometimes we we have a tendency to be caught off guard We don't have the right perspective. We don't have heaven's perspective or a kingdom perspective On that and we kind of freak out sometimes we don't know how to respond to that and and I, and, and I think there's too many times we give the enemy a little bit too much credit for some of the things going on in our lives. And, and so, man, I, what we want to do during this spirit series is kind of just heighten our awareness to the fact that everything in your life, everybody say everything. everything, everything in your life is spiritual. And we have a tendency, I think, in our Western culture to compartmentalize it. So, we, well, this is my work life, and this is my family life, and this is my... Uh, recreation life, and then Sunday—that's like my spiritual life. And so I've got some things in my life that are the spirit life. But but we compartmentalize things. And if you were to talk to um, somebody who grew up in the era that Jesus was walking on planet Earth, and you were to talk about compartmentalizing your life in that way, they would look at you like you're crazy, because to uh, a first-century Jew, everything was spiritual. Every behavior, every action, every choice was connected to something. Spiritual, and I want to submit that idea to you today, that there's nothing in your life that isn't spiritual. Every decision, every choice, everything that you face is spiritual in some way, shape, or form. And so this series is really about kind of heightening our awareness to those things, and uh, so that we would become more sensitive to that reality, because life is full of challenges, life is full of battles. But I think we need the right perspective. Come on, somebody. When you go through them. Having the right perspective when you go through a challenge, when you go through a battle, changes everything. You say, well, I'm not convinced that all that's real. It kind of sounds like spooky, whatever. There's spirits and demons and all that kind of stuff. Show it to me in the Bible. Well, it's in the Bible a whole bunch of times. Here's one of them, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. This is kind of the theme verse for our series. And it says, put on all of God's armor. Why? So that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. So there he is, the devil, he's real, and he's strategizing against you and I. He's strategizing against the church of Jesus Christ. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, so that... Argument that you got in this morning while you're getting ready for church and trying to get your kids here That may not have been flesh and blood Now it, it it could have started flesh and blood Hopefully nobody shed any flesh or blood But the Bible's very clear that the battles we fight the battles we enter into are not just flesh and blood That there are mighty powers in this dark world and evil spirits in heavenly places Alright, so I just want to raise our awareness to that. I'm hoping during the series that we would understand that we all have a place in spiritual warfare. Listen, you're in it, whether you like it or not. You are in spiritual warfare every day of your life, whether you like it or not. You can try to explain it away. You can try to say, well, I just that's all the weird, I don't want to deal with. But it's, it's there, it's real, it's happening. Whether we like it or not. I'm hoping that during this series that our fear around spiritual things would be broken. When I was a kid, we had, um, our youth group would do this fundraiser every year. And, and on the property, we would set up a fireworks tent. And, and some of us would stay at the fireworks tent during the night. Because that was, like, you were super cool. If you got to stay at the fireworks tent with some of your friends, you were security at 15 years old. You're security. Staying there with the youth pastor and, um, and a big mean dog to try to scare anybody off that would try to steal fireworks during the night. And then during the day, we'd work there and sell fireworks. But So we were across the parking lot from our church building. And obviously, there's no facilities out in the tent. So if you needed to go to the restroom, you would need to go into the church. And for whatever reason, we had all built up this thing. And I think one of our pastors kind of played into this a little bit. He, he kind of said, you know, a church, it's just a building. And when people aren't in there having church, anything could be in there. He's like, you know, I've I've heard stories of demons roaming the halls of churches when nobody's there. And we're like, really? Awesome. But then it became the thing. Who's brave enough to go into the church with all the lights off and find your way to the bathroom by yourself? And I may have shrieked a couple times and run through a couple of hallways in that church because we we get these like we get these ridiculous fears around these things. Right. Come on. Come on. Let's just be honest. Anybody ever been like in a in a dark room in your house or like in a bathroom and the light bulb burns out and and you're like. Oh, there, oh that's the mirror. All right. That may be worth being afraid of, depending on who I don't know, but. So I just want to break that fear over things that are spiritual, because listen, God's word and his promise is that Jesus wins. We overcome. There's nothing to fear. Greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world. Come on, somebody. And then ultimately, my desire is that we walk closely with Jesus and that our desire to have an intimate relationship with him will increase our relationship with him will grow deeper. And that's really where I'm going to start the series off today. Today, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview, a summary of some things that you can do to position yourself in a place where you actually don't even have to walk in fear or worry about the spiritual realm and the things that are going on around you because you'll be so close to Jesus that it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. Isn't that what you want? Okay, well, let me see if I got another message I can preach here. Nope, this is the only one God gave me for this week. Come on, don't you want to live in a place where you don't even have to worry about what the enemy throws at you because you know you're so connected to the Father that it doesn't matter. Come on, somebody. We are that church. We are the show a little life, have a little blood pumping through our veins on Sunday church. So I will, I will prod it out of you. All right. Last week I shared a little piece of something that's kind of been on my heart to share with you ever since um, I heard part of In fact, uh, there's a pastor in New York City. His name is Carl Lentz at Hillsong, New York. And a um, great guy, great preacher. And um, about the first third of this message uh, was inspired by a message I heard him speak. And so I just wanted to give some honor, give a shout out, because I, I know Carl probably listens to my podcast. Um, he probably doesn't. But just in case, Carl, thanks, man. This is good stuff. I stole it. All right. <clears throat> couple scriptures to get us going. I shared this one with you last week. Psalm chapter 23. Everybody's familiar with this scripture. Psalm chapter 23. I want to look at verses 1 through 4. It says, the Lord is my what? Come on, church, say it. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Man, don't you love that? I love that so much. That if I'm with the shepherd, I don't lack anything. Enemy wants to bring up a storm in my life. Enemy wants to attack my marriage. Enemy wants to attack my kids. Guess what? I'm with the shepherd. And all the tools that I need to handle that are at my disposal. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Some translations say the the valley of the shadow of the death, which actually references a real place in Israel. It's, It's a scary valley. Like it's deep, trees growing over the sides, all kinds of who knows what hiding out that could eat you, kill you. So he's, he's create, David's creating a word picture here of a real place. He says, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And if you're taking notes, like I would just somewhere on the piece of paper on your phone, take note of rod and staff, because we're going to talk about why that's significant. And then I want to jump ahead to John chapter 10. Just to give us a little New Testament context here, John chapter 10, 10, verses 11 to 13. Jesus is in this discussion here where he's basically confronting the religious leaders. And he's saying, hey, not everybody who pretends to be on your side is actually on your side. In fact, some of them are evil. And and he says some of them aren't good shepherds. And then he says this of himself in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Come on, aren't you thankful that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, you're connected to the good shepherd? There's nothing in your life that's going to make him run away and leave you to fend for yourself. In other words, everyone, everything else in life will disappoint you, hurt you, leave you wanting more. But with Jesus, we're connected to the good shepherd. Now, here's the problem I have with that. I'm, I, I love this word picture. I love this analogy of Jesus being this great guy who can lead us and comfort us and take care of us. I like that. I'm just want, like, why couldn't he have been like the coach and wear the ball team? Why do we get compared to sheep? Like why do we have to be sheep? Meh. Meh. That's what we do. Jesus I'm the I'm the good shepherd. You're sheep. Really, Jesus? I mean, isn't there any other type of animal? Have you ever even have you ever seen a sheep, you ever looked at a sheep? Look, look, look at this. (laughs) That's you. That's a sheep right there. That dude doesn't have a care in the world. I'm convinced that Jesus never did anything on purpose. Things don't show up in Scripture on accident. And so I started doing a little research, doing a little digging and did you know that sheep are one of the oldest domesticated livestock on the planet? Because they've become so domesticated, that this type of sheep right here virtually has zero chance of living on its own without the care of a shepherd. Can I submit to you today that you virtually have zero chance of living a life of fulfillment, of getting everything out of this life that you hope for and that God has planned for you without the care of a shepherd. See, sheep can't do life on their own. That dude's happy because he's got a good shepherd because sheep lack the ability to take care of themselves. In fact, if you study it, you'll find out that they have very little awareness of what's dangerous they have very little instinct to react and protect themselves. A sheep only survives its life with a good shepherd. And I think that's why Jesus, and all throughout Scripture, we, th- we see this picture. We see this analogy of a shepherd and sheep. So a couple things that I see in the Scripture. The good shepherd takes on two primary roles in our lives. And here's the first one in your notes. You can write in the, in the blank there. We, we see it in those two scriptures. Psalms and John chapter 10. A good shepherd always corrects. A good shepherd always corrects. Now this runs counter to what our culture likes. Nobody in our culture likes being corrected. Nobody in our culture likes being rebuked. Nobody in our culture likes it when somebody comes to us and says, Hey, you're messing that up. The choices you make right now are going to mess up your future if you don't rethink the way you're doing it. Nobody likes it. We all interpret being corrected as someone being against us. But a good shepherd always corrects his sheep. Remember I talked about that rod and the staff? You guys have probably seen them in little kid Christmas plays. That staff, it's that long piece of wood and then it would be shaped into kind of a hook shape on the end, right? The reason why a shepherd would have that shape to his staff is so when he out in the pasture when when he's moving the sheep when he's herding the sheep different places he can he can actually use that hook to just kind of gently go to the front of a sheep and corral it and steer it and hook onto it and lead it wherever he wants it to go and i actually like that i'm good with that picture of jesus i'm going through life i'm wandering off on my own and jesus hey hey little sheep let me just hook you and lead Thanks, Jesus. I'm good with that. That makes me feel all warm and fuzzy. The problem is, David said, your rod and staff, they comfort me. And when I looked at this, what I found out is that, yes, a shepherd would use that hook to gently steer a sheep. But he would also flip that thing around and use it as a rod. So that if he had a stubborn sheep that continually kept having its own ideas, wandering off its own direction, what a good shepherd would actually do is take that rod and crack right on the hind legs. And it would hurt. Why? Because the shepherd is trying to correct the sheep. In fact, when sheep were younger, he would take that and he would crack it on the back leg and in, in some cases, he would, a good shepherd would actually fracture the bone in the hind leg of the sheep. But the good shepherd, after he would hit in that fracture, he would actually pick the sheep up, place it on his shoulders, carry it until the leg had healed long enough that the sheep could stand on its own again, and then place it back on the ground. And guess what? That sheep would never will never leave the side of the shepherd again. So, we all like this picture, this warm and fuzzy picture. Y'all are familiar with this one. Yeah, he just cracked that thing on the leg and broke it. We're all like, oh, look at Jesus. He's carrying. The... No, man, he just broke that thing's leg. Crack! Hey, this is consistent with Scripture. Remember Jacob? Remember Jacob's ladder? And he wrestles with God until what? He pops his hip out. And it says he walked with a limp. The rest of us. Hey, listen. I, I'm not saying that God intentionally brings strife into your life. I'm saying that, that he'll allow the pain and the, and the things that happen in our life as a result of our own decision. As a result of our stubbornness. And our proneness to wander. And he'll, he'll allow us sometimes to get a little bit broken. Why? So that we can remember life's better if we never leave the side of the shepherd. Because a good shepherd always corrects. So are like, that explains that. No, that's just age. <laughs> I, got, I told my wife last night, I was like, there's something not right, right in here. She's like, did you hurt yourself washing the car? I was like, no, I think I just... Just getting older. Catching up with me. She's like, you're 34. Shut up. I'm, she didn't say that. She's like, I'm going to sleep. That's what she said. For some of us, man, this is a problem. We don't, we don't want the shepherd to correct us. We don't let the Holy Spirit correct us. And can I just tell you, if you're not okay with the correction of the Holy Spirit, how on earth would you ever be okay with the correction of of a friend or a family member or a pastor or a spiritual leader. It's heartbreaking to me because I know there are people who move from church to church, from faith, family, and community to community, because they're good until somebody dares to correct the sheep. What? Correct? Correct? No, I'm out of here. But the problem is a good shepherd always corrects. We interpret correction as someone being against us, but Hebrews chapter 12 says this, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as so God is treating you like a like a parent, like a father. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? See, God isn't looking to bring pain to your life, but he will use pain that finds you to correct you. Can I tell you that sometimes our answered prayers are actually correction. Oh God, if I just had that job, if I just had that job, if I just just made that money. And God's going, no, that's not actually the thing you need. But I'm going to let you have it just so you'll learn that here sometimes our answered prayers are actually correction here's the second thing a good shepherd does a good shepherd always protects a good shepherd always corrects and a good shepherd always protects isaiah 54 17 no weapon everybody say no weapon no weapon turned against you will succeed You'll silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Can I tell you, if you're near the shepherd today, you don't need to worry about the attacks that are going to come against you in your life because the good shepherd, he'll correct you, but he always is looking to protect you. Good, you're all like, I'm amen in that one. Correction, no thanks, but protection, yes. Bring on the protection, Jesus. See, a sheep has no defense mechanism. It's easy prey for a predator. They need the shepherd's protection. In fact, a good shepherd out in the the pastures would actually get down and, and grab a sheep by the face and apply a special oil all over the face and nose. Because the sheep, they don't have a defense mechanism. They don't know what's good for them and what's bad for them. So what would happen out in the pasture is flies would actually land on the face And climb up into the nostrils. They would even lay eggs there. And the the itching and the movement would begin to irritate the sheep so badly. That they would literally begin to bang their heads against the rocks to the point that they would kill themselves. And they don't even understand. Boy, if that isn't a picture of our culture today. Sheep without a shepherd banging their head against the rocks. Because they don't even know how to protect themselves from the choices that they're making. Man, I'm thankful that there's a good shepherd who's always seeing the things that are threats in my life before I even know there's a threat. And he'd bend down and he'd place that oil on the face of the sheep. And it would block the fly's ability to get a grip or to gain any kind of traction and get inside of the nostrils of the sheep. And so he would protect the sheep from something that they didn't even know was a threat. When I was going through a master's commission, I lived in Orlando and one night we were out feeding the homeless downtown Orlando and we weren't necessarily full of wisdom at this stage of life. And so we came up on a gentleman and he said, man, I just, I really need a bus ticket to try to get to where I'm trying to go. And, and, uh, So we're like, well, we're not going to give you money, but we'll take you to the bus station and buy you a bus ticket. So about four of us loaded up in a car with this homeless gentleman and we drove to the bus station and we pulled into the parking lot and and we parked so that the car was facing the sidewalk and then the street out in front of us. And no sooner had we parked than we noticed in front of us a scuffle starting to happen on the sidewalk between two other men that that appeared to be homeless at the time. And one of them was actually trying to rob the other. And as the one began to pull away, I said, no, you you can't steal from me. The the one who was trying to rob pulled out a weapon and just kind of pop, 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 totally missed the guy. But to this day, I don't understand how there, there wasn't at least a bullet hole somewhere in the car that we were driving. Because I remember looking right at the barrel of that gun as he pop, pop, pop. And began to shoot. And then an off-duty police officer was standing nearby. And, hey, drop, bam, bam. And so we, I mean, we watched this man die on the street in Orlando, Florida that day. And, and of course, we were all kind of in shock. And I remember asking the police, can we go ask this guy if he knows Jesus? Can we pray for him? And we couldn't contaminate the crime scene. But I just remember later kind of going, That wasn't a movie. That that was real. And I just, with all my heart, believe that somehow, in that moment, God had his hand on that vehicle full of young people that had no idea what we were doing. And we were in a place that we didn't belong. And somehow protected us from bullets that should have ended up in that car. It's a good shepherd. Always protects Good shepherd always protects. A few weeks ago, I was leaving the school. I dropped my daughter off for school, and I came out to the stoplight where I was going to leave. And and uh, usually I'm not the first one to that light, but this day I was. I was the first one to the light. And I, I make a left turn to make my way back towards our neighborhood, and, and the light turned green. And, and normally when a light turned green, turns green, I go. Daddy says I drive, her, or my, mom, my daughter says, Daddy, you drive the race car. and I, She's right green especially if i'm in the front baby i'm gonna take advantage and have a little fun light turns green i'm going we're gonna roll and i just remember the the light turned green and for some something in me just just hesitate hesitate and and suddenly an 18 wheeler loaded with vehicles ran the red light like if i would have pushed the gas when the light turned green he, he would have broadside, I mean, right in the driver's side door. He would have nailed me as he ran that light. Can I just tell you, like, it's good to be near the shepherd. It's good to be near the shepherd. Because a good shepherd always protects. Come on, somebody. A good shepherd always protects. Sometimes our answered prayers are corrections. Sometimes our unanswered prayers are protection sometimes our unanswered prayers are protect come on that that person you thought you were supposed to marry and you're like god give him to me god please i want him and he said no like hop on facebook sometime i give you permission go stalk you will see sometimes your unanswered prayers are protection sometimes your answered prayers are correction a good shepherd always corrects And a good shepherd always protects. So what do we do? You say, Michael, I want to live life near the shepherd. I actually want the correction and the protection. And can I just tell you, they're a package deal. Like if you're going to live life near the shepherd, you don't get to say, give me the protection, I pass on the correction. It doesn't work that way. If we're going to live our lives near the shepherd, we have to be willing to invite and accept both in our lives. Correction and protection. Come on, are you with me this morning? They're a package deal. And you would say this morning, Hey, okay, so, so what do I do? How do I keep myself in a position where I always have the protection of the shepherd? How do I keep myself in a place where I always have his correction, the correction of Jesus in my life? And so I want to give you just three keys as we wrap up this morning. Here's the first one. For some of us, you just need to get in the fold. Get in the fold. He so said, what are you talking about? I'm saying salvation, repentance, run to Jesus and say, hey, I've been living life without a shepherd. Like the Bible says, all of us like sheep have gone astray and that's me. And I need to get in the family of God. I need to get in the fold. I need to join the flock. Jesus, I need you to become the shepherd of my life. Because that's step one. We can't do anything else if we've not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and joined the family of God. Come on, somebody. Come on. Is there anybody in the room that's glad that at some point in your life you joined the fold? You got in the family. Because that's when the shepherding begins in our lives. Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Another translation says every one of us has turned to our own way. And if you want the benefits of the shepherd, you've got to get in the family of God. And check this out. Here's what I love, 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 love about the God we serve. Because some of us might be sitting in the room today going, yeah, but you don't, like I'm a really bad sheep. Like I'm way outside the flock. Like I might actually be one of the wolves. Can I just tell you, The the, the Bible's very clear that the heart of God is that the further you are from the flock, the more the shepherd wants to run out and find you. In fact, Jesus even says he would leave the 99 to go look for the one. So I'm just telling you, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter how lost you, you may be standing out there all alone, worst sheep in the world. Like the God of the universe is chasing after you. And the further away you are, the more his heart is drawn towards you. Can I speak to those of you who've given your heart to Christ at some point in your life, but you've never stopped living life your way? In fact, you've rejected the correction of the shepherd. And he's been trying to steer you and guide you. He's even, some of you are walking with a limp and you're still like, I'm doing it my way. Would you stop it? The rest of us are watching you live life in pain. And we're tired of it. We're tired of watching you hurt. We're tired of watching you wander and be lost. And it's so simple just to get near the shepherd. Get near the shepherd. Come back into the flock, man. The shepherd has not rejected you. It's never too late to start walking with the shepherd. He leaves the 99 to look for one. Here's the second one. If we want to live near the shepherd, we've got to condition our hearts. Condition our hearts. Many of us have just become oblivious to the correction and the protection God is trying to bring in our lives. Some of us have even become adversarial to it. And the Bible has a word for this. It's called being hard hearted where our hearts actually become impenetrable to the see the issue is not that the holy spirit ever gives up on you the issue is not that jesus ever gives up on you the issue is that your heart can become so hardened that you can no longer sense the leading that he's trying to place on your life he never listen the holy spirit is working always to convince us of our need of a savior but when our hearts become hard we can no longer hear the leading we can no longer hear the voice of god and i'm asking you this morning in this moment right now to allow the holy spirit to search your heart and convict this morning if that might be you and listen it might not be in all areas of your life there might be one area of your life where you've allowed your heart to become a little maybe your heart has become hardened toward a spouse maybe your heart's become hardened towards a rebellious kid maybe your heart has become hardened towards a coworker Or a manager. I don't know what it looks like for you. But I know that God can't work with hard hearts. In fact I did a little bit of a word study. On hard hearts throughout the New Testament. And nearly every reference of the hardened heart. Indicated that the result. Check this out. The result of a hard heart. Ends up being one of two things. Either a lack of faith. Or a lack of spiritual understanding. So what happens is. As our hearts get hardened. We actually lose the ability to even believe God for any good thing in our life. Our faith becomes the thing that's under attack. We can actually lose faith in God. Or we get to the place where we can't even, we can't even see things clear enough to have understanding of what it is that God's trying to do in our lives. The result of a hard heart all throughout the New Testament is followed with either a lack of faith or spiritual understanding. Let me give you an example. If you're dealing with a hard heart. A heart that's been hardened towards generosity. You'll never understand the blessings of generosity. It just won't make sense to you. Like there, there are people. Who, I'm all good with everything else. Salvation. I'll take that. Blessing. I'll take that. Protection. I'll take that. Relationships. Friendships. I'll take, I'll even serve a little, but don't ask me to give away anything that's mine. And our hearts have become hardened. They've become conditioned to actually believe that everything in your life is yours. And can I just tell you, if I could just take a bat to your nasty old hard heart right here and just break it to a million pieces, none of it's yours. Every good thing, the Bible says, every good thing in our lives comes into our lives because God allowed it to come there. Every good thing I have comes from God. So when our hearts become hardened towards generosity, we get to the place where seeing other people be generous doesn't even compute, man. It doesn't even make sense. We're like, why would you do that? You gave away what? You gave, you gave away how much? I, had a, I have a pastor friend that they, on Mother's Day, gave away cars. They gave away three cars to single moms at three different places, three different campuses they have in Pennsylvania. And I was hanging out with them this last week. And there are people in the church who are like, uh, why? Why are we doing that? Why are we given? Why are we always giving so much stuff away? Like, like the pastor's heart of me there wants to open a ministry called Slap in the Face Ministry. <laughs> put I'll, I'll put Chris Yandel on. Well, we just need a cage match. <laughs> Maybe you've got a. Heart that's, and this, can I just tell you, this was me for a while. I, I actually, because I grew up in a culture that abused the supernatural, my heart became hardened towards the supernatural. To the, to the point that God had to really mess me up. Like, I grew up around Pentecostal and charismatic stuff, and I just, I got tired of weird stuff being the main thing. Like, I, I grew up in a culture where it wasn't a good church service unless somebody spoke in tongues or fell on the floor or ran laps around the church. And, like, I don't know anybody who went, oh, my gosh, look at that old lady run. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Like, I just never, that never worked for me. It never made sense. In fact, I know people that were like, that's freaky. I'm not coming back to your church. I'm like, I don't blame you, man. I might not come back. But because of that, my heart became, and so God, like, had to wreck me. I remember my first year of master's commission, I was in a church in Ohio. And, and, uh, and this guy came in who's supposed to be like this great prophetic leader. And he speaks words over people's lives. And so I'm, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And we're in one of those services. And people are praying. And they're speaking in tongues. And, and a few people are falling on the floor. And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. This is dumb. I mean, literally, my heart was that, that way. And I do think you can abuse it and you can make that the main thing. I think... I think Christians can become experienced addicts just like other people can become addicts to a substance. If I can just say that. But I'll never forget. Like at one point I'm getting up, I was like, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to go out in the lobby and talk to people. I get up and I'm walking down the aisle and all of a sudden the guy goes, you, sir, young man walking down the center aisle. And I was like, Oh, May not, it may not have been poop. I was marginally saved at that point. He's like, sir, turn around. And so I turn around and he's like, young man, God wants to say something to you. He wants you to know it's coming from him. And I was like, I'm still at this point like, okay, I think you just saw me walking out and you want to make me feel stupid for leaving the service. He goes, you're going to feel God's presence right now. And as soon as he snapped his fingers, I went, (laughs) literally, that's what I did. And I was like, what was that? He said, now I've got a word for you. God wants to tell you you're to be a voice, not an echo. And that you'll be a pastor to the nations. Write it down, son. And then I just began to weep and sob. And I felt the love of God and the presence of God stronger than almost any other time in my life. And then I said, God, I will never again tell you what you can and cannot do. If you want to make people fall down, you can. If you want to make them shake, you can. Now, I don't think the Sunday morning experience is the best place for that, because in our church, we're evangelistic. We're trying to reach lost people. And so I think scaring people to death is not the best way to introduce them to Jesus. So we don't do spooky things. But we have small groups, and you can get in a small group and be spooky three times a week if you want. (laughs) Knock yourself out. Come on, somebody. So, listen, if your heart becomes hardened to something, you'll no longer have understanding or faith for that thing. Come on, somebody. Some of us, our hearts have become hardened towards our spouse, and we no longer believe that God can transform them or move in their lives. Can I just tell you, God can do whatever he wants. Have a little faith, somebody. He can move anytime he wants, anywhere he wants. Isaiah 64, 8. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. And I love this picture here. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We all are formed by your hand. Can I just ask this morning, can you condition your heart to the point that you could go before God and say, Okay, God, I want to be like moldable, soft clay. Don't let me become hardened to whatever it is you want to do in my life. Bring the correction. Bring the protection. I'll condition my heart. When our hearts are softened and healthy then we can take correction, we can take teaching, we can take coaching without being offended. Now, and I don't need to say this because nobody ever gets offended in church. But just in case, can we, have, can we have our hearts be soft and moldable? Can we be that church, everybody, where we allow God to bring correction in our lives? Listen, one of the things that will kill you and cause your heart to become hardened quicker than anything is when you start comparing what God is doing in your life to what he might be doing in someone else's. It's called the cancer of comparison. And I just want to caution you against, this is a lesson I've been learning over the last couple of years, because I hang out with church planters and other pastors and everything in me wants to go, how many is in your church? And they'll say, blah, blah, blah. And so I I want to say, ours is bigger. (laughs) It's not a lot of times, but I just want to say it anyway. Because it's called, it's the cancer of comparison. And the cancer of comparison creeps in when we start comparing what's happening in our lives to other sheep instead of looking to the shepherd. So I just want to caution you there. All right, here's the last one. Get in the flock, condition your heart, and then get fed. Get fed. Now, I just want to to say something here. Too many people use the word fed to describe their church experience. I just got to tell you something about the culture of True Life Church. If Sunday morning is your primary spiritual meal, you're going to starve to death. What we need is a culture where people are near the shepherd. Because the shepherd will always lead you to the greenest pasture. The shepherd knows... See, the shepherd has a different perspective, a different view. The shepherd can see what's ahead that you can't see. And what we need in our church is a culture where people are close enough to the shepherd that you just don't get to come on sunday and and quite honestly you when you come to church on sunday what you're eating is what's being regurgitated by someone who's already been taken to that pasture by the shepherd but what if you could be close enough to the shepherd that you get to go eat on your own so what what are you what are you talking about The Bible creates all of these comparisons that compare our spiritual walk with our physical body. And you need to be fed spiritually, but you can't count on another person to be the primary feeder. You've got to be a self-feeder. And when you're close to the shepherd, one of the areas that he'll bring some correction in your life is that he'll start to lead you to the best places to eat. What does that look like? Here's one, Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation that spirit and dead is willing but the flesh is weak prayer is a great place to feed ourselves spiritually in the presence of god listen we take these spiritual gift tests in our life track i'm not the guy that scores all super high on intercession and prayer i don't I, like i'm not Woohoo! prayer meeting let's pray for five hours that's not me But there's something about being in God's presence, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's just with some worship music in my car, that He begins to feed my soul, begins to feed my spirit. And can I tell you, God wants to be in relationship with you, and relationship doesn't work if there's no conversation. The reason my wife and I still like each other is because we talk a lot. Some of us, we feel distant from God, but we have no conversation with God, and that's the reason why you've got to feed yourself with prayer. Number two, feed yourself with God's word. Psalm 19, seven and eight, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. This, the Bible is your roadmap for life and you cannot be close to the shepherd without eating God's word. You gotta eat that book. Come on, there should be some amens in this house right now. You gotta eat God's word. Not literally, that'd be weird. <coughs> so we've got to have prayer. We've got to have God's word. And then I'll tell you, connect yourself to God's work. What does God want me to do with this life? Therefore, prisoner of the Lord, Ephesians 4.1. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Listen, your calling will always somehow connect to people. Who and how will you serve others? You want to know why there's a life team that shows up and sets up a stage on Sunday? Because they're getting fed while they do it. Got to hang out our worship team Wednesday. And as we work on God's kingdom and we work on His church together, He's, He begins to feed us. He begins to fill us up make us full. It keeps us from turning inward. Would you close your eyes this morning? All across the room. I know it's a little warm, so don't keep them closed, all right? The good shepherd always corrects. The good shepherd always protects. To to live life near the shepherd, I need to join the flock. I need to have a softened heart. And a healthy spiritual diet. And if I can do those things, I'll position myself in a place where the attacks of the enemy, the things that are going on in the spirit realm around me, will have very little impact on my life because I'm close to the shepherd. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you, if you're in the room today and you say, hey, Michael, I've never joined the flock. I've never placed myself under the authority of the shepherd. I've never placed myself under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm not in relationship with him today. But I want to go there. I want to get there. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I do want to know that you're here so I can lead you in a prayer. If you say, Michael, that's me. Would you just hold your hand up real quick and say, I need to get in the flock. I see it. Anyone else? Quickly. 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 Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And as we finish this prayer, I'm going to ask you to to grab the connection card in the cup holder next to you. If you're praying this prayer for the first time, and just check the box that says, I'm committing my heart to Christ. Give us your name and your contact info, at least your email address. Nobody's going to show up at your house. We're not going to stalk you. We're not going to pressure you. We're just going to send you an email with some basic instructions that will help you get off to a good start in your walk with Jesus Christ. That's it, I promise. So would you just repeat this prayer after me? And our church is going to say it with you as a way of welcoming you into the family of God. Just say, dear Jesus, I need a shepherd. And I invite you to take that role in my life. I surrender. I submit to your lordship. I repent of doing life my way. And I ask for your forgiveness for my sins my mistakes, and I turn to doing life your way. From this day on, my life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, heaven is bigger this morning. Your eyes closed for just a quick second. And I, just, I felt like as I was studying for this this week, That God would speak to some people who are maybe, even though you have a relationship with Jesus, your heart has become hardened over something. And with every eye bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, I just believe right now the Holy Spirit is is convicting you of that, speaking to you. And you don't need to raise your hand. You, You know who you are. God is dealing with you. And just, I just want to, just a couple seconds, I just in this moment, I want the Holy Spirit to begin to kind of drop into our hearts and work on us. You may even feel a little bit emotional as it begins to break up the hardness of your heart. And would you just make a commitment to God this morning in your own words, right there where you're sitting. God, I don't want to be hard-hearted in any area of my life. Your correction is welcome. Your guidance is welcome. If a rebuke is necessary, I'll accept a rebuke. God, I don't want to be hard-hearted towards the things that you want to do in my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, our ushers are going to come right now. We're going to give you an opportunity to give. And I will tell you, um, during the summer months, it's always a little crazy for us here because people travel, our teams are always stretched. Really, Our, our kids' team, man, it was a miracle that they had enough people today because we're not a big church yet. And so it's easy for teams to get stretched thin. And, and one of the teams that's stretched a little thin is the ones who have to get all of this stuff out of here by 1205 today. And uh, so I just want to invite you, if you've thought about how can I serve, how can I be a bigger part of my church family, one of the things you could do today is get to know some of the guys who are in our setup and teardown team and maybe lend a hand. And who knows, maybe you might find a relationship there. You, you find yourself maybe even wanting to become a part of that team serve with them on a regular basis. I'm telling you, we have some of the most servant-hearted people I have ever seen. and They're here at 7 o'clock on Sunday mornings making sure that we can turn a movie theater into a church, and all of us owe them a thank you. And especially in the summer when it's hard work, it should really be a team of six or eight, and I think they pulled it off of like three guys this morning, which is, I don't know how they did it. Um, Maybe your heart's been hardened towards hard work. Today's a great day to condition your heart. <laughs> Maybe you need some exercise. All right. We're going to give you an opportunity to give. If you need to fill out an offering envelope, you can. If you're a guest with us, it's your first time. We're just glad you're here. We don't want you to feel any pressure at all to give. Uh, although, you, you can if you want. That's, that's entirely up to you if, if God so leads you. So, let's pray, and our ushers are going to pass the buckets. So I do want to remind you Life Track 201 tonight healthy habits. How many want to have some healthy habits so you can stay close to the shepherd? That's really what it's all about tonight. It's going to be really good. You don't want to miss that at 6 o'clock. And and, um, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. I pray that you would put it in our hearts today, God, to be near you, near the shepherd. That you would lead us and guide us the way you want us to live. That our hearts would be conditioned to receive your correction in our lives. And, Lord, I just pray as people give today, that you would pour out your blessing on them. You know the needs of our church. Uh, You know every bill that has to be paid. You know what the rent costs. You know what payroll is. And God, we just lay it at your feet this morning. We ask you to meet every single one of those needs like you always do. And bless each and every person as they give today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, stand up on your feet together. We're gonna worship God one more time.